Let's see what the stew has for us today. Welcome to the Gnomecast, Gnome Stew's tabletop gaming advice podcast. Here, we talk with the other gnomes about gaming things to avoid becoming part of the stew. But I'm one of the head gnomes, so I don't really have to worry about this. So I guess y'all had better be good. So this episode is brought to you by our awesome Patreon backers, people like the brisk Bruce Cordell, the dashing Daniel Markwig, and the boisterous Block Party Podcast Network. Today, we have myself, John along with Dee and Chuck, and we're going to be talking about paid GMing and all of our convoluted thoughts on this very broad, complex topic. But before we dive into all that malarkey, let's uh, let's do a get-to-know-your-gnome question. So, when was the first time you ever ran a game for strangers, people you didn't know, and, and what was that like? Wait, what was the last time or the first time? The first time. The first time you ever ran for strangers. And you just volunteered to go first. Ah, fantastic. <laughs> um, shoot. Uh, I got really into tabletops, like when I was like a kid and I wanted to start, I had this idea about like running uh, for our local game store and like they would give me deals on stuff. I'm like, hell yeah. And so I would get deals if I played, uh, if I just ran stuff for a stranger at this game store. And uh, those days were a nightmare of hellions and all that such. I've got like one particularly notable story. It's not my first one, but I've got a good one. Okay, go go ahead, throw it out there. Um. Okay, so I was running late to one of these games, and you know how in like in, in typical fashion, like in a long table, you tend to leave the like the short one, the, the short side for the GM. Mm-hmm. So they did that. I got there. I was like, "Oh, guys, sorry, so sorry, I'm late." This one guy, as classically, uh, <sighs> would one prefer to call uh, neckbeard, um. <laughs> They were like, oh, sorry, sweetheart, that's where the GM sits. And I'm like, buddy, I get it. I'm like 18. I was 18 at the time. And I'm like, okay, so here's the deal. You're off. You either apologize or if you're off my table. Um, They're off my table, by the way. Mm-hmm. So that worked Deep, out. Yeah. 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 I thought... Several years of uh, of running for complete strangers, actually. So, of of that, <laughs> <laughs> of those experiences. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. Anyways, Chuck. Yeah. So <laughs> let's see you follow that one. Up. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, I I mean I I operate in a, a rarefied world of privilege, so I've never gotten that. Thank goodness. Uh, I would actually probably just run away from the table crying if that happened. Like legitimately like sobbing because that's apparently my defense mechanism in case anybody like runs into me like do not be mean to me or i will cry on you and that is a threat um but uh so it was probably around like 2001 ish i'm wanting to say and i kind of half got strong-armed into this gaming project that ended up with my name on a product uh that shall remain nameless because i am not at all proud of it And uh, it was running for a convention, and so I got strong-armed into running for the convention as well. Uh, And so I I ran for this complete group of strangers that were playing this product that had my name on it. And it was actually a really positive experience, because I have never had anyone ask for my autograph before. Well, that's not entirely true, but no one ever asked for my autograph where they weren't getting extra credit for a class for doing so. Uh, And so that part was really, really cool uh, of it. And, and, And I don't mind running for strangers. I actually have a lot of fun with it. Just got done running for basically strangers just a few minutes ago. Um, but gosh, I am never ever doing it for a product that I don't believe in again. <laughs> that was awful. 
Uh, John, what about you? Yeah, so so I, I think mine is actually kind of similar because I didn't really start running at conventions outside of like my my local group or three of people that I knew until I started working on something and and that you know was was Silvervine Games and it's you know it was it's definitely a anime fantasy heartbreaker in in a lot of ways but you go to a convention you sit down and you're like all right. I have to promote this. I have to do this right. I have to get people interested in this. And it, it took me a time or two to be like, no, 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 stop that. Stop that. Be smarter. Just run a game people enjoy. That's what you need to do. There's, there shouldn't be a lot of difference, in my opinion, between running those games. But the first couple were a little rough because I felt I had to provide a different kind of experience than what I was running in, you know, home games. And, and it, it was very, Unique trying to pick up on different people's approaches and things they wanted. Cause I was like, Oh, I, I, I know Tanner. I know what they like in a game. You know, I, I know how to make them just go nuts. And, but this person, I could so easily misstep with something and throw something out there that they're like, Oh, that wasn't what I meant at all. Cause you know, you're just not used to their reactions, but you kind of start to pick up on that and start to figure it out. But for me, running in front of strangers is sort of like, yeah, the first time's hard. The second time's less hard. The third, like with anything, you know, just, just do it more, do it more. If you feel comfortable enough coming back to it and getting back on the bicycle. And that turned out pretty good. And now I'm like, yeah, I'll run a game at a convention. Uh, what convention and where do I go for it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, now that we know a little bit about each other in our first experiences. Let's talk about paid game mastering. So hiring a game master to run your games is definitely a thing in modern gaming. Reddit and Discord communities aimed at looking for groups and hiring DMs, sites like Start Playing or D&D for Hire, and just a slew of people advertising their services in local community groups are now all on the gaming scene. Running games for hire is a bit of an odd subject with a lot of complexity to it, and tabletop RPGs are very unique because it's one of the few mediums where every participant is also kind of the audience. So this makes them very different from other types of entertainment you might pay for, like watching sports or playing video games or watching TV. Opinions are going to differ greatly on on this subject, so we have our team of gnomes here who all have opinions, (laughs) and we're going to stir the pot a bit, but before, before we all jump into the arena... Let's let's say that there is no right or wrong on a subject like this, and all the opinions will kind of be personal and based on experiences, probably change a bit as you, you know, get new information. They're not necessarily Gnome Stew's opinion, and there isn't really one right way, so you know, any listener out there, treat it as such. This is people talking about what all goes around page in. Mm-hmm. I love the disclaimer. The disclaimer. Yeah. I my my money is on the disclaimer actually being longer than the podcast. That's I, I'm, putting, yeah, yeah. I, I'm putting that not actually, not actually. Yeah, you, you know, I like to cover bases. No, it's solid. All right. It's solid. Good. Good. <laughs> actually, can I use that as a segue? Sure. Okay. Awesome. One of the things that I absolutely hate about the idea of me ever doing paid GMing is how many bases you probably have to cover. Uh, I've never <laughs> even gone down that road. But I, I, I imagine that when money starts getting involved, a lot of those things that you can sort of hand wave as a group of friends or even strangers around a table, you can no longer hand wave when someone is receiving money for a service. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. What, what, what are the expectations mm-hmm. you have of a paid GM? Are they different? You know, <laughs> I, I think about the, the feedback that comes out of like, you know, Cyberpunk 2077 just got released mm-hmm. and it had bugs. And People are like, rah, rah, give us our money back. And I think of like my gaming where I'm like, oh, I, 
kind of fudged that and I didn't hit that note right. And oh, shoot, I had to deal with an interpersonal conflict. What happens when money's involved with that? <laughs> well, I mean, even just practically, 90% of my plots are crimped from novels or DC comics. So that's no longer a thing you can do. I think you can, actually, though. Uh, really? So mostly because uh, both books um, and tabletops in specifically are very difficult to copyright properly. Hmm. So you can kind of just crib all the info like all the plot points from a book or a novel or even the mechanics for a tabletop and they can't really do much as long as like there is notable changes like i think i think i think i think the 30% like 15 or 30 to 30% need to be substantially different other than that you're good huh. there's a lot of oddities around that but it's much more about you know uh trademarks um mm-hmm. because i mean it's essentially like a fan fiction like you could write a fan fiction about you know how Batman is so cool and really does all this great stuff. And oh yeah, he's not Bruce Wayne. His name is John Ark. Anyways, uh, mm-hmm, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. uh, no, you were writing them using Anne Rice's Vampire Chronicles, because then you were just going to have a bad time. Uh, I don't think you can get sued, by the way, until we get our paid GMing stuff, but like, I'd like to be the first. Ooh, that is a that is a brave statement. Yeah, that that that's a hot take. Uh, I want to see okay. where that goes. A pioneer, pioneer. Uh, all right. Oh, we know where all the courage on this on this podcast is coming from. Because yeah, wow, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. So, um, Chuck, you would feel weird running like let, let's assume there are not major issues. Which I mean, think about it. like you run Storm King's Thunder. That's technically Wizards of the Coast property can you do that for a twitch stream without invoking copyright can you do that you know and get money from it potentially are they going to come after you well like so the 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 game that i am running the bears of maryland through currently uh is basically just a plot lifted from swamp thing and put in a semi-medieval environment and anybody who has ever read that uh, and then I also stole some other stuff from some other DC properties where where I, I have actually gotten asked in one game, didn't you steal this from DC Comics? And the answer was, yes, of course I did. So, I mean, it's it's pretty obvious. I didn't even file the serial numbers off. So, <laughs> Oh, my gosh. But I, that's gaming is so non-structured, mm-hmm. non-standard, non-strict. And it works um, great for an in-person game. But if I were to try to throw that up on the DMs Guild or even run it in a monetized stream, I would want someone to come after me for that. Well, so so let me let me uh, uh, pull D out of the darkness here. Uh, Hi. D, you've actually been doing paid DMing in a different form. Uh, why don't you I'd Why don't you tell us about that? That's <laughs> August now. Okay. Um, I'm 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 a different sort of breed because unlike a lot of like uh, what I guess I would now call indie or agency pro DMs, <laughs> indie being the people on Roll Twenty that are like, hey, look, here's my game. Uh, agency mm-hmm. being like, hey, yeah, if you pay us, we'll send you a person. I'm corporate, so I get like hourly. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty good. So on my end, I've been running since like August and. Uh, and and what's like the focus of your games? I mean, you're not just running it for the accounting department who likes D and D, right? No, it's um, it's people that sign up, and then uh, we sign up in like six session, I guess, runs like adventures. So yeah, here's the thing: I have three hours per session to run a thing because of like time restraints, things like that. Mm-hmm. So three by six, I have eighteen hours to run a full adventure, and I have to keep making up new ones. So I've it's like 
one you could in a game with friends you're capable of like running as long as you need to go you can Mm -hmm. run like four to eight hours and i can run Mm -hmm. but if i can't hit all the beats i want within three hours it'll mess up the entire pacing of the entire adventure completely and and why do people why why do people hire this because you said it's kind of like corporate Are, are you doing it for like a service that goes and sells to just normal gamers or like a team building sort of thing I've actually, in the team building sort of thing, I actually ran a game for Adobe's VR team. Right. Um, Yeah, that was kind of dope. Uh, That was really wild. Did you get to play with VR? Did you get to do it with VR? No, sadly. But it was just, it was a team building exercise for the team. Also, like, Silicon Valley people pay bank for, like, two hours of games. It's actually kind of nuts. Um, Oh, yeah. But corporate where I'm at, it's mostly just for gamers that just sign up. It's like, it's it's the same thing as you find on Roll20. It's like, oh, here's the game. Sign up. But instead of them paying me, they pay the like company. The, game, the company that pays me. Okay. Corporate. Yeah. So so do they get to choose who their GM is, or do you just be like, okay, D got assigned to this group. Now somebody else got assigned mm-hmm. to the next group. It's more so that we have like several DMs. Um, there's me and there's like I think one or two other people, and we have different days and we put up our campaigns, like we you get whoever signs up for it. Mm-hmm. But if we can't get like a minimum of three players, like the company can't be like, oh, we actually can't afford that. So so there have been times where I'm like, oh, I guess I'm only running one session for this six week cycle versus two or three. Mm-hmm. It is, it needs a minimum. Otherwise we just can't go forward with it because not only do the people want a good experience of having at least three people, but also the company and I need to be like, this is reasonable. Right. This gets down to, you know, I'll, I'll throw out my, my very grognardy opinion here of like, I don't think I would enjoy that for many of the same reasons. I don't super enjoy like, um, adventures league sort of games. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to show up. I want to engage with the narrative. I want to do some different things, but they feel so structured because they have to fit certain notes to fall within this set of rules. I guess if I were really like, oh man, I just, I need a game. I haven't had one for months. I want to go, go play in some game somewhere. I'd be like, all right, cool. This, this is just different from what I would normally want with a group of friends. So I, I think it's really interesting. We didn't know this going into this uh, podcast, dear readers, but I think we actually have a really interesting spread of folks. So on the one side, we have John who. Uh, would not ever want to run a game like that because it doesn't sound like fun. On the other hand, we have D, who is like the consummate professional, <laughs> living Hi. the dream in many ways. And in the middle, we have me, who would honestly love to run something like a D&D Adventurers type game or something like what D does simply to build the skills that I think that that demands of an artist at that level. Uh, I just wouldn't do it for enjoyment. I would do it for for skill building. Ah, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's sort of the thing. Like, would you actually enjoy, and and D, you can answer this, do you enjoy running games, or does it, like, in those contests, or does it feel like work? Both. Um, Okay. It is one work, because, like, I always have to be, I have to think, I always have to think of pacing, but the thing is, I've always been a GM that's been focused on pacing, so I'm particularly skilled in, like, getting people to move forward. Mm -hmm. And, like, it, you said something about, has to be very structured and aside from those three hours there's not really too much structure i need to think about because it's not like i pre-planned the entire adventure and then they run through it a good example is i had expected this current group i'm running with 
to like assassinate this guy or like talk to this guy by like session three. Somehow we've ended up in a case where there's this lizard wizard guy that created a mini Tiamat. He had like bred a Hydra to have breath weapons, and then the players accidentally injected that Hydra with wing growing serum, and it's immortal. So that is a situation I didn't plan for, but it's I still allowed to happen. Mm-hmm. So aside from the time restraints, I'm not too limited in that kind of structure. As if it feels like work, I definitely feel the pressure of making sure like the game and the map I'm running is of a level that they'd be satisfied with. Like I am not I can't be too casual with it, but also at the same time, it's still running a game and that's pretty fun. Mm-hmm. And I guess that gets down to player expectations, what you're signing up for. You know, like <sighs> if if you're paying 15 bucks and you want hardcore old school D&D, mm-hmm. but that's not what, you know, you, you have to session zero, work that out. So you oh, say, we can't you know, even have a session zero, really. Yeah. And that's 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 so interesting. It's not a session zero at that point. That's a that's a master licensing agreement, practically. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's your primary statement of work. Uh-huh. I give people. Uh, they go into like this Discord chat room, and I'm like, I work with them over the week, being like, okay, here's how you like make a character. Hopefully, you can talk to each other about this because I don't have a lot of time because y'all know my schedule. So they help each other. Thank freaking god. Because uh, <laughs> if there's one thing I really appreciate about nerds is that nerds are willing to explain things to other nerds. That is the kindest way I have ever put heard that trend put. To be honest, well, actually, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it has its goods and bads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. We don't get a session zero. It's I write the prompt for the six week session, and I at the fly in the first session I have to think, okay, what type of group this is because uh, the last group I ran for it was more we like combat, everything is combat heavy. But the group before that was okay, we like some sort. Okay, okay, you have to like constantly adapt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So so what uh. I, I want to hear what you think. What do you think would be expected of, of a D&D since you're paying, Chuck? Like, you know, since, you know, you kind of feel like you're the middle ground in this sort of thing. You're like, oh, I would like to do that to learn skills. What, like, what, what is, what can you reasonably expect of a, a DM or GM for a game you pay for? So I, I, I think, first, I don't know that I would necessarily pay for a GM that I didn't already know. Uh, there are GMs that I would pay for that I have played with before for, for a number of reasons, but the biggest one obviously be that I want to play with them. But but I think as far as expectations... But those are, are more like personalities, well-known Right, right. Names. So I, I think expectations, and obviously I'm going to defer to Dee in all things with this because she actually has the experience with it, uh, as opposed <laughs> to speculation. Uh, but I, I would think that it's what the market will bear. So it's it's what expectations can I bring forward to the table? What can I flex on? Versus this is what you're getting with my game. And if what you're getting with my game is popular enough, people will pay for that. Yeah. It, it seems like it's very upfront expectation right. setting. You know, like you said, master work contract. Here's what you will get for your input into this, you know. Exactly. And I mean, as nerds, we kind of have a problem where we sometimes try to make things look more professional than they are. Because our uh, hobby is pretending. Uh, um, uh, but no, that uh, was hurts. that was that was it's not so a, real. I, no, it's we so all know. Real. It's we so know. real. It hurts because it's real. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, like, let's let's be careful about that. None of us are lawyers, and I think we know that. But I sometimes the experience of being a gaming nerd is to spend a lot of time being embarrassed for people, uh, <laughs> and I feel like that's probably the case 
with a lot of the professional GM stuff that's not at the level of professionalism that that D and others probably have. Uh, you put me in such a pedestal, <laughs> God. Yeah, that's, hey, that that that's my gig. Is that you know I make other people feel like they are uncomfortably idolized because they are. Uh, I'm sure my therapist would have things to say. About don't that. worry, don't worry. I'm a VTuber. I'm getting used to it. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know it. <laughs> There's some of what makes a person a professional, mm-hmm. because p- part of the reason this whole thing came up is in a local gaming community, somebody like said, hey, I've got a game. I need more players. Who wants to be in? Blah, blah, blah. Like pumps it up. $15 per session. And I'm just sort of like, wait a minute. Like, should you be doing that here? Is it like, I, I feel like there there was like a lack of honesty in promoting that. You know, you said the $15 per session, but it's like. Ah, it just it feels weird to me in my ways, but at the same time, I could see where like if I went out and sought that out, like oh hey, I want to you know I, I, like I've DM'd a bachelor party for somebody who requested mm-hmm. me to come DM their bachelor party, you know, and I'm like yeah, absolutely, let's go do that. I didn't let them pay me; I let them cover drinks because I, that would have been kind of odd. And I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll give you a, as good an experience as I can, but what makes you a professional what's what's the threshold of quality you you kind of need to hit well i think it also depends on on the environment where you're saying that too there's a sketch comedy that has this hilarious routine where it's a uh, a minister just trying to get you know announcements from the podium and everybody comes up and tries to pitch their businesses the whole time and it's just hilarious i love that but <laughs> so john you're in an environment where people were expecting to be able to have give and take among peers where we express our free of charge or any sense of monetization joy in the game, and suddenly you're being sold something. I think some of your reaction may have felt like a betrayal based on the fact that that was not the environment where that was supposed to take place. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There are so few places where we, in the year of 2021, are allowed to not have things sold to us. Why take one away? You know, that's a really good point, because, like, when I go on Roll20, like, I'm used to seeing Roll20 just be free everywhere, mm-hmm. and, like, I can feel myself get physically exhausted when I see more and more, like, oh, paid, 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 paid. Mm-hmm. Also, like, okay, a good example is each page, each, like, page of, uh, of like, campaigns is, like, 30, right? Like, there's, like, 30 campaigns per page. Mm-hmm. I saw 27 pages, like, 800-ish games, and if you turn off paid only you go down to eight yeah yeah that is hundreds of games that are paid only and i'm like uh is this where we're at yeah i mean yeah unfortunately any place where people can't and I, I will never have a problem with people trying to make a living especially doing what they love but when you let money in we we know it is always going to dominate it is that that sort of thing with any sort of art. It's, you know, the art versus the mm-hmm. monetization versus the making money and surviving. And, you know, I, I think of like painter friends of mine, you know, who who are just like, yeah, I wanted to do this, but this is what I'm painting because this is what makes me, me money. Yep. Yeah. Capable of paying the rent while being an artist. And I, I guess it's interesting to see gaming start elevated to that level because it's rarely been at that level before but now you kind of can package the product and sell it whereas before like you know in the 70s and 80s it's sort of like okay i can sell it to the five other people here who know it Mm -hmm. not the millions of people online who might be interested tabletops feels like it's old but 50 years in the in the span (laughs) of like arts isn't and so i think that's one of the things that 5e really brought along with it a level of professionalism and like 
the fact 5e itself is able to be something that could be packaged and sold kind of made people feel, wait, can I package and sell this too? And mm-hmm. it's definitely a new angle that I think we're like, we're all moving into. That's very different from the rest of the history that we've been a part of. Well, and, and I'm going to be a grognard here. Is it better? Yeah. It's different, but I, I think, I, I think it would be a mistake for us to say that our hobby has not benefited from this. Ba- pure baseline, more players. I can't, yeah. I can't mention D&D in a professional environment. And like, I'm a consultant. Objectively, I should not be mentioning D&D. And yet I do. Uh, and, but every time I mention it, there is somebody in that room that says, oh, yeah, I played that when I was in elementary school. And I've been really curious mm-hmm. since it's been in the news so much. Or, you know, I made fun of that a lot. But then my sister-in-law started having me play. And let me tell you about my paladin. Like that's, <laughs> it is mainstream. Yes. And that was a dream. How much, how much would many of us those those uh-huh. maladapted kids in the middle of nowhere who thought that nobody shared our hobby how much would we have given to have this level of mainstream acceptance of that before and how much do we have to reckon with the fact that that mainstream acceptance didn't occur because we were actually just vile people i'm not sure <laughs> my hipster ass doesn't want things to be mainstream because it makes me feel better about enjoying it oh, oh. well well so, I, I'm, again, I'm going to come back to my grognard, but I'm going to say there is no right or wrong on this. Mm-hmm. But making it mainstream will change it. Like, oh, yeah. I, I have nothing personally against Critical Role. I have had so many people show up to, like, conventions being like, well, I want to do this thing like Matt Mercer did. And I'm like, uh, okay, I would like you to do your own thing. But people consume it in a different way when it does become bigger than that you know but again there's no right or wrong to it but it it is going to change and some things are going to be lost out there you know i trying to like capture some like you know of that of the older feeling i was uh, talking online about how i wanted to play like 3.5 again and someone honestly called me a hipster i'm like excuse you dungeon and dragons <laughs> it's still dungeon and dragons it's still like i mean i'm probably play 3.5 like yo man <laughs> what well and, and like so i mean i really feel like we should spend a little bit of time talking about matt mercer so full disclosure i <laughs> can't watch actual plays which drives me insane like same if it, if it has a puppet maybe i can watch it and i realize that people have very very strong opinions about stuff of legends but i think it's a delight uh but i can't <laughs> watch an actual play unless it has some degree of media production on top of it but at the same time matt mercer has still entered my orbit as a person that i have to pay attention to and his GM style has given me permission to try dumb voices, which I never <laughs> gave myself permission to do before. That's never cool. seen Matt Mercer do a game, but I now do my terrible, unforgivable Irish accent because of him. So thank you, <laughs> Matt Mercer, and also you jerk. <laughs> oh my god, that's delightful. But and and that's you know that that's the very interesting thing because we have had a very different type of superstar in gaming before. Mm-hmm. It's oh I love Gary Gygax. Oh I love this indie you know developer who does this thing that I really like in my small hipster circuit. Why did we love Gary Gygax though? I mean let's you really know, examine that because was was I think that's for I, I think <laughs> it's for another podcast. Like, yeah, like I could go on about Gary Gygax, but like. Yeah. 
Yeah. But, the guy but, was uh, the grandfather. He's the he's the he's the guy that started the thing, which is why. In so I, I'm in the ways. Dave Arneson camp. I really like the Dave Arneson touch. It's more and more kind of comes out that. But that is a whole nother story in the podcast. I, I just I, but, want to play spot the grognard in any given <laughs> 10 second snippet of this podcast. Yeah. I bet you we could do it. Anyway, sorry, I couldn't resist, John. So good. <laughs> no, so, no, yeah, you absolutely can. If, if I had, but, like, one little point, I'm actually thinking that Matt Mercer is at the level of, like, a notoriety Gary, Gary Gygax is mm-hmm. for, like, the overall tabletop community. Because, like, we've got some good names, but, like, everyone knows the name Gary Gygax, Matt Mercer. Not necessarily everyone knows of of Monty Cook. Monty Cook is, like, one of the bigger names, but not everyone yeah. knows it. Everyone knows Gary Gygax and Mon- uh, Matt Mercer. Mm-hmm. Those are... Well, but- but that's that's sort of the weird difference thing. Matt Mercer, he's he's gone on and created and they've got their deals and they're now creating, but he's big in the industry for playing the game rather mm-hmm. than having created the game. Everybody wanted, you know, like like Monty Cook to go sign their book and do stuff and like, oh my God, I love it and I want to be, you know, what would your advice be for a new writer? And for Matt Mercer, they're kind of the same, but they're also like that there's a notoriety part to it that's different. It it's about being seen rather than kind of for what you made. Not that it's not about what you made or that there's not value there, but it, it's a much more stardom rather than I love this person who created a thing. You know, I mean, the person like a, is the product. Yeah, it's just a, it's like a big name and an idea rather than, it's not about the creation, like what you necessarily you've done, but it's like, how much does everyone know you? I'm really interested in that and how this uh, uh, page, I mean, talk, and it's talking about <laughs> professionalism in the industry. No, this is mm-hmm. big. This is like mm-hmm. all thing. How did we get to a point where like, People put Matt Mercer's like if we're talking about paid GMing, that guy getting paid, that guy mm-hmm. at like the highest uh, like echelon of being paid for like running a game. So I guess and, it's fair. And there's so many others who kind of doing the same thing, trying it. You know, there, there's a whole IGN gamer channel that runs a lot of the Geek and Sundry stuff on Pluto TV. So you could just tune in and watch, you know, what Geek and Sundry did. Yeah. The, the thing that I think about this would any of this have been doable without the internet, without this mass communication capability no. of doing it? God, good Lord, no. I don't think that you can talk about anything that, that happened after 2005 and separate the internet from it. That's like saying, could could we have had mammals with a different gravitational constant? Like, <laughs> that's a meaningless question. Like, that's everything, that changes everything so much it's not even worth talking about. Not to say it's well, not well, worth but, talking about, but... but to, to look at the idea of paid GMing, could you do viably do that on a statewide thing? Could you have a, here's the person who's so well known in this community that they could go and get paid to do this? I think so. If you marketed yourself well enough, like let, let, let's zoom back to 2004. Let's right before <laughs> 2005. Let's, yeah. let's talk about 2004. If a guy was just like, hey, dude, I'll run a, like, you know, fancy GM stuff for your wedding. And and people are like, wait, this guy does this? And <laughs> we're nerds. Like, oh, we would do that. In a statewide thing, if people knew as uh, the guy is like, hey, that's the guy that'll like run you a game for your wedding. And it'll be really fucking cute. I think that is doable, mm-hmm. but it has an upper limit of ability. You'd have to then, mm-hmm. after some a point, go to a different state and mm-hmm. restart. And, and could you make enough to live off of it? So I don't think so. so I disagree. And here's gig why. Econ- it's a gig economy, though. It's yeah. gig economy. We so already- remember vacuum cleaner salesmen? 
Mm-hmm. People made a living doing that. <laughs> and D&D is at least as much fun as vacuum cleaners. And and that job sucked. Oh, oh, oh John. I just immediately thought when you put that, I'm, I can I imagine someone like opening the door is like, hi, I've never heard of D&D. Puts the foot literally in the door, <laughs> like, holding out dice. I'm like, oh my God. I love this. Like, that's an NPC in the future. Stay in it. Yep. That's good. Please, by all means. Why right, have so... you ever heard of Dungeons and Dragons? Here's some <laughs> dice. Would you like to roll a d20? It'll feel great. I've rolled the dice all over your floor. We'll have to clean those up. We might as well roll them. Wow. So, <laughs> oh, birth of the next best NPC, the D and D salesman. Yes. All right. The so, 1980s let me. One. <laughs> let, let me let me ask a thing here. Um. I feel like we could get two podcasts out of this topic. How do y'all feel about going for another, like, we're already at about 40 minutes. Do you feel like going for another 15, 20 minutes and splitting it? Let me be clear. With this group of people, I will talk forever. So let's do it. All right. So come back next episode for Professionalism and GMing. I would like to say we mostly came unscathed out of that, but we're we're cutting it into two. So uh, this is the the end of part one of this, and part two uh, will will be dropping soon, probably. Uh, that's outside of my pay grade. Um, so let's wrap it up for here, and then we'll come back. This show is funded by the Gnome Stew Patreon. You too can become a Patreon backer by following the Patreon link on the Gnome Stew website to the Gnome Stew Patreon. <sighs> Gnome Stew. This ad brought to you by. Old Grognard, new tricks. When you simply have to try and adapt your Grognard ways to a world full of TikToks and memes you don't really understand. Try our new formula for old... <clears throat> Sorry, my Grognard came up in my throat. Try your formula for old Grognard, new tricks. It won't make you hip, but it might make your jokes a little less like mom and dad jokes. If you're enjoying Gnomecast, you will probably like many of the other misdirected Mark shows. Here's one to check out. The Lounge. Doc finds the best, the brightest, the most fun game designers and sits down to have a cool chat with them. You never know what conversation is going to come up in the lounge. All right. You can find all of us at gnomestew.com, at gnomestew on Twitter, and gnomestew on Facebook. But where else can we find gnomes on the internet, like, say, if they wanted to hire you to GM? D? <laughs> uh, you can find me on my Twitter, my Twitch, and now my YouTube at DiceQueenD. D-I-C-E-Q-U-E-E-N-D-I. All right. What about you, Chuck? Uh, if you really, really like relentless homosexuality and leftist nice. politics, as well as gaming, uh, be sure to check me out on Twitter at, at innocuouschuck. John? All right. I'm found wherever good John Arcadians are bartered or sold. And uh, if you found a bad John Arcadian, that's probably my doppelgru. You, you can find me at John Arcadian pretty much most everywhere that I actually care in social media, which is sometimes. <laughs> All right. So, uh... I think we avoided the stew this week, but do you think Rob and Angela are going to be uh, uh, mad at us for kind of breaking the show? I think they're going to drive to my house and beat me up. I'm going to be think, honest. I think that wouldn't be very professional. Oh, that's so good. Please tell me that's put in there. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love it. Gnomecast is hosted by Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Anyway, sorry. (laughs) Rob, please fix that. Oh my god.